in the house of God on this morning, and I praise God for each of you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We certainly give God the glory, the honor, and the praise for everything that he has done. Amen. And we praise him for what he is continuing to do in our lives. I praise God for each of you as we're celebrating a special day, uh, really a special month. Amen. We're wearing pink for Breast Cancer Awareness Month today. Amen. We're simply showing our solidarity, amen, with those who are suffering or have come through. And many times, even in this house, we have survivors of that condition, amen. And we praise God, amen, for those who are going through. We praise God for those who are suffering. We praise God for those who are survivors of breast cancer. And we just want to continue to be a part of bringing awareness to this situation and just knowing that in whatever situation we find ourselves in, that God is with us and there is nothing that is too hard for God. Amen. Oh, somebody, a praise ought to go right there. There is nothing, whatever situations that you find yourself in, there is nothing that is too hard for God. May I pray with you on this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for those who are hearing the sound of my voice on this morning. Lord, we pray your blessings and favor upon each of them. Lord, as we bring awareness to breast cancer awareness this month, Lord, we ask that you touch those in those situations and conditions. Lord, strengthen and encourage them. Let them know that there is nothing that you cannot bring them out of. Lord, Lord, for each of us, Lord, encourage and strengthen us, Lord. Lord, let us live with purpose. Let us live with expectation. Let us live with faith, knowing that there is nothing that is too hard for God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And God bless you. I pray that you're ready to hear God's word. Amen. That your heart and mind is in the right place. Amen. And we're going to the word of God in Esther chapter 4. And we will begin looking in Esther chapter 4. That's in, in the English Standard Version. And we will begin our reading in Esther 4. Familiar passage for many of us around verse 14. We'll look at Esther 4 and 14 and we will read through verse 16. Again, that is Esther chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 from the English Standard Version. And I will read as some of you may continue to look. The word says, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Lord, open our hearts, minds, and spirits to be receptive, Lord, to this destiny moment. Allow your word to light our, be a, illuminate our path and show us the way. And Lord, allow us to course correct so that we might follow the way that you have us to go. That we may be aligned with your purpose for our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you for a few moments the thought, she just built different. She just built different. To bring, to bring my older people uh, in, into alignment with what this topic means, built different means like that, that person is the one. That person has it going on, as we would have said during my time. That's a person who 
is not like those around us, but there is something unique about that person. And in this particular text, we're going to talk about Esther just being built a little different. And I thought it was appropriate as we are commemorating, shall I will, or standing in solidarity with those regarding Breast Cancer Awareness Month to bring into light a struggle of a particular heroine we find in the Bible. Here, to give background to those who are not familiar, Esther was elevated to where she was because the previous person who stood in her position named Vashti, she had refused to appear before the king when the king had required and asked of her. And when she did not appear, she was put down and Esther was raised in her place. Esther was a beautiful Jewish woman who was of the people of captivity, who had been elevated to where she was. Now, some theologians will tell you that even some of the evidence that you find in the text is that Esther was not the queen as we might think in modern times, that there may have been more than one queen, that the king had many wives and Esther was just one of them. Often in those times, a person of greater distinction was not necessarily the lady that the king was married to, but rather the king's own mother, and they, from which you often hear the, the term the queen mother. Because there's only one queen mother, but there may be many queens. But Esther had stepped into this role and had been elevated as the result of a previous queen being disobedient to Ahasuerus, who was the king. So here, Esther has already been elevated, and then we find ourselves in this particular predicament, which has been precipitated simply by a man who could not get over himself. The word says pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Almost all of the incidents that give rise to what we see in Esther is the result of Haman not being able to get over himself. Now, he had been elevated to a high position there in the kingdom. The king had given him, he had lots of money. He had lots of accolades. He was held in high regard with the king. But the one thing that he could not get over is the Jew Mordecai not bowing down to him when he walked through the gates. In fact, if you read the story more carefully, when I read it this time, I saw something I didn't see before. It's not that Haman saw Mordecai not bowing himself. He didn't even notice it. But if you read the text more carefully, other people who were bowing noticed that Mordecai was not. And so then they reported it to Haman. And then once Haman was aware that there was one person who was disrespecting him in the gates, he decided to concoct this plan, this strategy that we see here in Esther. What has happened at the time of our text is by this time, Haman has brought an edict before the king, telling him not to just destroy Mordecai, the man who was disrespecting him, but rather to destroy all of the Jews in the kingdom simply because they did not follow their laws, but more pointedly, because Mordecai used being a Jew and serving and worshiping the only the true and living God as a reason as to why he would not bow down before Haman. So Haman concocts this plan to kill all of the Jews. In fact, it's on the 12th month, on the 13th day, has been designated as the time when all the Jews of the land, the babies, the, the elderly people, all of the people who have the Jewish, Jewish descent were to be killed on this particular day in the kingdom. Once learning of this, Mordecai, Mordecai he, he rends his clothes and he, he starts wearing sackcloth and ashes. And, 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 and he begins to go, begin to go in prayer before God. And as he is doing so, he also sends a messenger to Queen Esther, who is living in the palace, telling her that she needs to go before the king and to beg for the lives of the rest of the Jews. He tells her to do this, but 
Esther sends him a message back saying, I might need to remind you, and in fact, it's pretty common knowledge, that if anybody goes before the king without his permission, they should be killed. And she says, which gives evidence to what we were talking about earlier, about him probably having more than one wife, she said, he has not even called me to be in his presence for 30 days. So if I go before him, I am likely to lose my life. Then we see Mordecai's response here in verse 14 of chapter 4. He's telling her, he says, don't think because you're living inside the palace that you will be spared the same fate as the rest of these Jews. Don't think that you won't share our fate. So then she summons her courage. Esther summons her courage. And she says, well, I will go before the king. And then she says, and I will do so on the part of my people. First thing she says, though, before I go, I need you and everybody with you to pray. I need you to fast for three days. Then I'll go before the king. And she said, and if I perish, then I will perish. One of the things that I want to talk to you about, Esther, she's built different, as we say, as we're sharing in our subject and in this, in our discussion this morning. One of the ways that she was built different is simple, it's obvious, is that she was a woman. She was built differently because she was a woman. As a woman in this story, she is uniquely qualified for that assignment. Uniquely qualified. Being a woman uniquely qualifies her for the assignment. Why? Because she was a woman, she was able to get inside the palace and Mordecai could not. Not only could Mordecai not get inside the palace, they wouldn't even allow him inside the gates surrounding the palace, particularly as he was wearing sockcloth and ashes and he was mourning the fate of his people. It's because she was a woman which qualified her for this particular assignment. And sometimes it's the very thing that we think will disqualify us, which is the very attribute that God will use for his purpose. Being a woman in her particular time should have been a, a disqualification, should have been a reason why she was felt considered and esteemed a little lower than men. But because she was a woman, she was qualified for what she was about to deal with. She was built for this moment. And I came to share that with somebody that no matter what your past looks like, that you were built for this moment. And I want you to say that with me. Say, I was built for this moment. Whatever has happened to you before, whatever you are and whatever you think you're not, I want you to know that you were built for this moment. And the reason your trial is different is because you're different. The reason your trial is different is because you're different. The Bible says that we are a holy nation, a a, a royal priesthood that's been called out of darkness into the light. You are suffering with something that is different and it seems unique to you because you are as unique and as different as the trial that you're suffering at this moment. Esther, at this moment, could say, I'm the only one suffering with this. I'm the only one dealing with this. I have the weight of all of Israel upon my shoulders. And I have all of this weight and I have all of this responsibility and I have all of these trials and I have all of these things running through my mind. And the thing that has gotten me here, that has set me apart, that has made me special and qualified me specifically for this assignment is the fact that I am a woman. 
That's what made her for this. That's what created. That's what she was created for. God had specifically assigned and set her in place at this moment for this time. And just as she was set in in time and eternity for that moment, I'm a, I'm wanting you to remind yourself that you are the same. I was set in time. I was predestined for this time, for this moment, which means a couple of things. If I was set in time and eternity for this moment, if God built me for this, then it's not more than I can bear. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. It's not more than I can handle. So if it seems like it's too much, then the fact is that I must be stronger than I think I am. And I need somebody to get that in your spirit, that God, he's already weighed in the balances that which he is allowed to, 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 to put upon your shoulders. So even in the moment where you're feeling the weight and you feel like it's too much, I need you to encourage and remind you that you are stronger than you think you are because God will not set more on you than you're able to bear. Sometimes you have to remind yourself of your own strength. It's almost like when you're out there, when you're exercising and when you're running. And if you have a trainer, a lot of times they will encourage you and push you a little harder than you would ordinarily push yourself because they know that there's a little more in you that you have to push past to get there. Just at the moment when you think that you're going to give up, when you think you're at the point where you can't do anymore, a lot of times there's a little more in you. And so sometimes runners call it a second wind. You, you, you've, exhausted the, 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 you've exhausted the resources of your first wind, but, but while you're running and you think you can't go any further, all of a sudden you'll find a second wind. That I, I can go a little further than I thought. I, I can maybe even speed up a little faster on the pace that I'm taking, that God has put something else in me that I simply have not tapped the potential of the strength that God has placed on the inside of me. I have untapped potential. I have a gift, as I told you, that I just need to stir up. I'm stronger than I think I am, and I just need to reach beyond the point that I think that I can take no more. And sometimes when I step out of myself, then I'm stronger because then I step on God. God said, when you're weak, then are you strong? Because I'm not operating in my own strength, but I'm operating on the strength that God has put on the inside of me. And now I'm even stronger than I was. I wish you would get this. I was stronger than I was before because I'm not simply relying upon myself, but I'm relying upon the God that is working through me. God has purposed me for this assignment. God has planted me here for this assignment. God knew in advance what I would go through in the middle of this assignment. God knew I would reach my wit's end in the middle of this assignment, but I have to keep on going because God would not have put me here just to leave me. The songwriter said he, he brought me too far to leave me. God didn't, didn't bring me out into the middle of this situation for me to drown in the middle of my, my sorrows, for me to drown in the middle of my trial. But if he brought me this far, that, that same God, somebody say that same God, that same God that brought me to where I am has the power and the ability and the compassion to bring me all the way through. That's why David said, yeah, though I walk through, I'm going through. I'm not going to stop there, but I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. God because God is with me. I'm not going to get stuck there. So how, 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 how do we get stuck? So then I, I begin to understand that, that Esther was on an assignment. The king was not as much her, 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 her destiny, her final end, as the king was her assignment. And, and I began to, 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 to question God on that and I Begin to think, Lord, 
How many times do we get trapped by not pushing forward into our destiny, but getting tied and married to our assignment? There are certain people in your lives who they might not be your soulmate. They might be your assignment. And while you're caught up in other things, you're, you're thinking about, they, about the, way, the twinkle in their eye. And you're, you're thinking about, come on here, you're, you're thinking about going out on, on dates and maybe this person being your, 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 your forever boo. But, but, but you might not recognize the person that's been set in your life is not necessarily your destiny, but maybe they're simply your son. And sometimes we get stuck in the place where we're in because we marry the assignment and give up our destiny. Look at your neighbor and say, don't marry the assignment. And what I mean by that, it's not just people, but sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes it might be a job. I, I remember several years ago that, that I, I, I had a job and then, then I was, I, I liked the job and I was preparing for things in the job and I had my office all nice and set up and, 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 and I, had, I had everything in place. And, and then God spoke to me and he said, Larry, he said, you treating like this like you're going to be here forever. This isn't, this isn't your destiny. This is your assignment. You don't, it's like, it's almost the difference in your dorm room in college and your house, the home that you live in. You're not going to tear down the walls and restructure the layout of your dorm room because that's not your destiny. That's simply your assignment. And I came to tell somebody right now, metaphorically, you're painting the walls and your assignment. And God's trying to get you ready for your destiny. You're, you're, you're replacing the, the cabinet and the sink in your assignment. And God's trying to get you ready for your destiny. Y'all, y'all not with me yet. You, you, you're trying to build a garage on to your assignment. And God said, I'm trying to prepare you for your destiny. Don't get stuck in your assignment and miss out on your destiny. Don't, don't miss out because where you're going, where you're going, where you are right now is not what you're going to. It's what you're going through. It's leading you to where God desires you to be. Just like you tell people that the, the songwriter said, be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. And, and, and the fact of the matter is that if God is not through with you, then, then I don't need to get too stuck on where I am now because there is another level in me. There's another level that God desires to take me to. There, there, there is another place that God is prepared. Jesus told them, the disciples, he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. In, in other words, he says, as long as you're on earth, as long as you're here. You're not in your place of destiny, but you're preparing for the place where I'm taking you. Preparing for the place where I'm taking you. So, now when, I, so when I tell you the, the, the thing, that, the ways that Esther was built different is that, first of all, she was a woman. She was uniquely qualified for that assignment because she was built differently. But secondly, she was built differently because she understood the assignment. It's important that you don't marry the assignment. It's important that you don't get so caught up in the assignment 
that you forget your destiny. How do I know? What was her moment where she recognized that she was in the middle of the assignment and not in the middle of her destiny? It took Mordecai to remind her. Remember the words of Mordecai. Mordecai told her, don't think because you're sitting pretty in the palace and somebody's calling you queen that the same fate of the Jews won't happen to you. Because the same fate that is coming to my house, it'll also come to your house. Why? Because you're not staying there forever. That's not your forever home. That's not your destiny. That's your assignment. And when, when Esther was reminded of this by, by Mordecai, she, she said, well, I need you guys to go in, go in and pray for me. And I want you to notice that, that if, you, if you read the text, she didn't even go to the king until after the three days had expired, until after they had prayed for three days, until after they had fasted for three days. And I, and I came to tell you that you have certain assignments in your life that, baby, before you make one move, you need to get down on your knees and pray. Before, before you take one more step, you might need to push back the plate. Don't wait on somebody else to call a consecration. You have consecration moments in your own life that don't involve anybody else. I'm not consecrating for you. I'm not consecrating for the church. I'm consecrating for myself. And I'm having a consecration moment. And I came to tell somebody in here, if you think you're going to the next level, maybe the only reason you haven't gotten there is because you haven't had your consecration moment. This is my time to push back anything else that might mess up my mind, that will, that will get in the way of my communication with God. I'm having a consecration moment because I can't get to where I'm going until I have this moment. And I came to tell somebody right now the reason you haven't advanced, the reason you haven't stepped up, the reason you haven't moved into another dimension is because you haven't taken your personal consecration moment. Esther, she said, I, I need you all to fast and pray, but don't get it twisted. She said, me and mine, everybody that's with me will be fasting and praying. All of us are going to be getting ready because you have reminded me of the assignment. And I'm about finished. The first thing was it was Esther was built different. Remember, your trial is different because you're different. Your, 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 your circumstance, your storm is different because you're different. It's unique because you are unique. So don't get, don't get disturbed by the fact that you're going through something right now because even whatever you're going through, there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. Somebody else has gone through what you're going through. But if you feel like you're by yourself, don't worry about it. It may feel unique. You might feel like you're like, like, like the prophet who, who went down into the wilderness and said, Lord, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who's left who's proclaiming your name. But yet God said him, no, you're not. He said, I got 7,000 others who have not bowed down their knees to Baal. I got some other people who are with you. And sometimes I just need you to pray and I'll remind you of who's with you. Because the thing about God is like, not only is God with you, God got somebody else who will help you out. I wish I had some help here because God can use other people. I wish you were here with me. See, God can use other people with, and they can be his hand and get this, whether they want to or not. Whether they want to or not. Some people don't even know that they're part of your assignment. I want you to get it. They don't even know that you're part. How, how do I know it? Because it ha happened to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His assignment was to come to earth and to be crucified. His assignment was to die for the sins of the world. 
So when the men came and grabbed him in the garden of Gethsemane, they thought they were acting of their own volition. They thought they were acting on behalf of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day. But they didn't know that they were literally the hand of God that was ursuring Jesus to his assignment. People don't have to know that they're a part of your assignment. So don't be so quick to dismiss people who don't like you. Because even the folks that don't like you are part of your assignment. The folks that talk about you behind your back are part of your assignment. The certain page Rose said, Lord, he said, if I were in control of my life, the, the things I'd work out differently. There'd be no pain, no hurt. But she said, but that just goes to show how little I know. But all things, somebody say all things. Say it like this. Say we know that all things are working together for our good. God is allowing people there for a purpose. And everybody, I came to tell you right now, everybody that God has allowed in your life is part of your assignment. The key is, say this when we say, don't marry your assignment. Don't get stuck in your assignment. Wherever your assignment is, think of your assignment as the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to be there, but you're going to go through that. And I know somebody's relieved right now because there's some things you're going through right now. You're like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it if I have to keep dealing with them. I don't know how I'm going to have to make it if I have to keep working this job. I don't know how I'm going to ha- how I'm going to make it if I'm stuck with this relationship. But God came to remind somebody right now that all you're doing is working in your assignment. And when all things are working together for your good, that means everybody that is connected to you right now, it, it might as well be your employee. Everybody, the ones that don't like you, the ones that do like you, the ones that, 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 give you the, that give you the side eye, those ones that give you the crazy looks, the ones that talk about you behind your back, they're all part of your assignment. But remember, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord to them who are called according to his purpose. The last thing I want to talk to you about Esther, I talked to you about being a woman. That's what uniquely qualified her. That's what built her differently and made her prepare for this assignment. I told you it was not only that, but she understood the assignment. She understood not to get stuck where she was. She had an awakening moment. It's almost like the, 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 the prodigal son who was there in the pigsty. She had that moment when Mordecai told her, he said, you will not escape the fate of the rest of the Jews because you're not in, walking in your destiny yet, but you're walking in your assignment. But the final thing that we saw from Esther is that she was courageous. And there is something about the courage and the tenacity of a woman. If you want to find out the courage, the strength, and the tenacity of a woman, start messing with her children. You might think a woman is weak and meek, but start messing with her children. You think a a, a woman is calm and won't come after you. Start messing with her family. Start messing with her children. There there is something about how she is built that, 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 that wakes, that something on the inside wakes up. There's a certain courage that arises in that woman. That, that, that woman, she might try and fight a bear. She might tussle with a shark. She don't care if you got a weapon. She's coming after you because something in her rises up when you try and mess with her people. And, and, and it's something that Mordecai said to Esther that, that awakened the courage that was on the inside of her. It not only reminded her that she was just in her assignment, but she was reminded that you don't mess with my people now. 
You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't mess with my people. And, and, and when that thing rolls up, it's not always fighting. Sometimes it's craftiness. Uh, y'all not going to hear me now. A woman knows how to be crafty. A woman knows how to get something out of a man. I wish I had some real people in here. They, uh, somebody say she built different. <laughs> she, she knows what to say. She knows how to say it. And the reason I know this is my daughter is 11 years old. And she knows how to say stuff to daddy. I wish I had some, 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 uh, some girl dads in here who know what I'm talking about. She, she knows how to say things to get something from a dad. I always laugh at her when I'm coming home from work. And there are certain days that, that I, I'm coming home and I have to get there at a certain time to, to reach her. And then because my wife is going to have to leave and then my daughter recognizes that my wife is leaving and, and that I'm coming. And on those days and only on those days, dads, I get a call on my phone. Don't get a call any other day. But on those days, I get a phone call. And, and, and I get a call. She's usually FaceTime. And she's like, hey, dad, where are you? First of all, craftiness. She already knows where I am. Brennan, I, I, I'm in the car. I'm on my way home. She said, I, I, she said, I, I mean, how close are you? Oh, well, I, I'm just driving. I'm just getting into Murfreesboro. She said, she said okay. Uh, she said, um, are you swinging by Starbucks? <laughs> I'm like, Brennan, no, I wasn't. But now that you asked me. A certain way of asking, certain craftiness. She's built different. She knows how to get things out of her father. So, so, so what I'm saying is that if you look in this story, it, it's not Esther's angriness. It, it's not her anger. It's not her physical acumen in fighting, but it's her craftiness. Not what she does. First thing, if you, as you continue the story after the, the pericope of the text that we shared with you this morning, it says she first went to the courtyard. She didn't go inside the throne room, but it says that the Bible describes that there was an entrance and then there was a courtyard and then there was a throne room. But apparently while she stood in the courtyard, the king could see her from the throne room. I, I, I wish I had a few women who knew where I was going with this, but I, I, I imagine before she, when she got up that morning, she, she did a little something to her eyebrows. Yeah. I imagine she had her hair uh, laying on a certain side, so she revealed her good side. Y'all know, wish y'all were, y'all were with me. She, 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 put, she put on a, a, a certain color of a dress that, 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 that seemed to accentuate her, 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 the tone of her skin. Uh, she put on a certain dress that, that fit her a certain way so that she could attract the king. I wish I would talk to me this morning. Can we be real this morning? That would attract the king's attention. So I can just imagine Esther was out in the courtyard, just twirling her hair, looking up in the sky, walking at a certain angle. You know, there's a certain angle. Girls, you stand to show. I told y'all she built different. She, she stood at a certain angle. Where she knew she was in the view of the king, where she knew the she wasn't doing this for nothing. She she knew the king would see her, and then all of a sudden the king peeks out and said, "There's Esther out there. Come on, Esther, what do you want?" 
says he extends the scepter in her direction and she touches the scepter because had he not accepted her, she could have been put to death. But she, I told y'all, somebody say she understood the assignment. She understood. I, I got to look good if I'm going to get the king's attention so that he will invite me into the throne room. He invites her inside and then he says, what do you want? Not only does he ask, what do you want? He said, you can ask up unto half of the kingdom. Oh, that, that's, that's a lot right there. I, she, I, she must have been looking real good. Up into half of the kingdom, I will give you at your request. What is it that you desire? And Esther, just like a woman knows how to do. I told you she's crafty. She didn't just tell him what she wanted. She said, well, why don't you come to a banquet? And then we'll discuss what I want. And invite Haman. Remember Haman. Haman is the enemy of the text. Invite him to come with you. So she invites him to a banquet, and, and you know, they say the, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So, so I, I imagine she was frying up the catfish. Y'all ain't going to help me here. Can, can I bring it home? She had some, and, and you, know how, you know how you ethnic women do. You can't have just one meat. She had the fried catfish. She had the fried pork chops on the side. She had the green beans. She had the macaroni and cheese. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the in-the-box macaroni and cheese. I'm talking about, you know, you put some extra special ingredients on and then had, had the nice little crust of cheese on the top that, I wish y'all would help me in here, that, 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 that had been set, that had set in the oven and had, had a nice color on the top. And then she, she made him, well, he might not just want the chest pie, but he might want some chocolate cake too. And, and, and she'd set up the feast for him. And then, listen, look at how, look at what she does after he eats. After she's enticed him and invited him. Then he said, what do you want? She said, look at what Esther does. She says, well, king, she said, if you will allow me on tomorrow, if you'll come back, I'm going to cook for you again. And then I will tell you what I want. Well, look what happens. Look at this. This is how God works. You know how sometimes they say what you eat affects how you sleep and how you dream? That night, the king had a dream. <laughs> he has a dream that reminds him of, a, of what Mordecai had done for him. He is reminded of how a Jewish man had saved his life. He had told the king of a plot of some of his own servants to kill him. He is reminded in a dream of how important a Jewish man had been in preserving his life. He dreams that and then the next day. The next day when his heart has been inclined to bless Mordecai. In fact, it was so inclined that he told Haman, the enemy of Mordecai, that I want you to go out in the streets and lead Mordecai by a horse and tell everybody in the kingdom that this is what is to be done for the man that the king desires to honor. And somewhere in this story, if I can use my imagination, I believe it was that macaroni and cheese that started that dream. <laughs> So then the next day, the king's mind, his whole visage, his whole, his whole concept of what, what was happening in the kingdom had changed. So on the next day, he invites, he, she, he is invited to the banquet again. And then Esther said, well, I, well, I, had, I had the pork chops on, on yesterday. So, so let me get him the beef stew on today. Let me, let me get him the beef roast uh, with, the, with the rice on it. And, and, and let, me get him, let me get him some broccoli and cheese soup on the side. And, and let me make the cornbread, the, that hot water cornbread that he likes so much. Y'all not going to help me in here. 
and, and we had chocolate cake yesterday, so let's have caramel cake today. So then the king begins to take part of the banquet and the feast, and he's full, and he's like, oh, Esther, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you just, just ask. Remember, it wasn't the physical fighting. It wasn't the stature of Esther, but it was the craftiness of Esther that was awakened. Why? Why was it awakened? It was awakened because somebody challenged her family, and Mordecai reminded her of her assignment. So then she said, King, will you just preserve my life? Can I just have my life? And while I'm asking for my life, can I have the life of my people? And the king was angry then. He said, wait, wait hold, hold on. Who, who has challenged your life? Who would dare come after your life or the life of your people? And then Esther said, who she had also fed, he's sitting there full and happy. It's this man right here, Haman, <laughs> the one who's eating your cornbread, who, the one who, who took the big piece of chicken. He, he's the one right here who was challenging my life and the life of my people. He said the king was so mad, he got up and just ran out of the room. So he went into the courtyard, and while he was in the courtyard, Haman said, man, I know I'm in trouble. So, so he starts begging the queen, like, please, let me have my life. Please, I'm begging for my life. And while he's begging the queen, he falls down on the couch where she's sitting. And as he's falling down, the king walks in. And he said, not only are you going to kill her, he said, are you trying to, to defile my queen? The Bible says the, the, servants, the, servants, the servants also understood the assignment. You read this. I've never read the text this carefully, but go, go back and read it for yourself. It's something about the, 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 the visual that you get from what, what happens next. Haman is in so much trouble, he doesn't even get a chance to speak. It says the servants put a hood over his head. They, 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 you know you're in trouble when they put a hood over. They put a hood over his head. They take him out. And one of the servants said, I heard he built a gallows in his own house for Mordecai. Why don't we hang him on that gallows? The king said, let it be done. And after it was done, the king said the anger of the king subsided. It went away. But who, child, who invigorated the anger? Who caused him to be so angry? Who, who set him up to, 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 put, to put Haman to death? It was the craftiness of Esther who cooked him the right meal, who wore the right dress, who set him up to fulfill the purpose that God had for her people. Why? Because her purpose was arisen and awakened. When, when Mordecai reminded her that you're not walking in your destiny, you're just walking inside your assignment. I came to tell somebody today, no matter what you're dealing with right now, don't ever get married to your assignment. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Everyone standing to your feet. Everyone standing to your feet on this morning. Let me pray a prayer over you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this example. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Lord, for this woman who, who's indicative of the power and the charisma and the, the strength of all women, in her we see embodied those same characteristics that someone may say about their sister, that they may say about their mother, they may say about their grandmother, that, man, my, my mother, my grandmother, my sister, she's just built different. There's something that you poured on the inside of her that has uniquely qualified her for the assignment that she has and 
Lord, I'm just, thank you, Lord, for allowing her to touch my life. Thank you, Lord, for, for what she has done. And thank you, Lord, for even her body of work awakening the purpose that you've placed on the inside of me. That it reminds me that whatever I'm going through, is you, I, I, it's unique because I'm unique. But it also causes the strength that's on the inside of me that you put inside me to be awakened for my purpose to stand up for the craftiness for the skill that you've poured inside of me Lord you've literally allowed it to stir up the gift that you've given me and remind me that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and that there is nothing that is too hard for God Lord, I pray all these things over the lives of your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those who've been watching us virtually, we pray God's blessing over you. And we pray that you live with purpose, that you understand the assignment, that you recognize that you're built different. And whatever you're going through, you have been built, you have been purposed, you have been determined for the moment that you're living in right now. God bless you. Hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple. Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.